Hey, this is Megan McDuffie, and you're listening to The Paradise Arcade. The Paradise Arcade contains graphic language. Listener discretion is advised. Listening to the Paradise Arcade with Kyle and Eric, promoting synthwave music and culture. Welcome to another episode of the Paradise Arcade. This week, we have a very special guest, Megan McDuffie. Welcome, Megan. Hey, thanks for having me. Uh, very excited to have you on the show. Um, obviously, you being kind of one of the the perennial uh, people in the community and having worked with so many artists, uh, we're really excited to have you on the show and, and hear from you and your experiences. I think, um, you have a really unique perspective, uh, before we go any further though, just want to make sure, uh, if you like us, follow us on social media, obviously visit us on the paradisearcade.com. Uh, you'll, that'll be our hub. You can find all sorts of good stuff there. Um, and, uh, let's get into this. So Kyle, you go, my friend. So thank you for being on the show today. We really appreciate it. Sure thing. I'm happy to be here. Excellent. So, you know, just starting it out, we want to know, like, you've done so much work in the scene. How did you get, how did you dip your toes into the quote-unquote synthwave scene? So back yonder days in 2011 or 2012, <laughs> um, I was working for a little company, you may have heard of it, called Apple. <laughs> and um, yeah, I was working in, at iTunes. So I had a lot of music across my plate. And I, I've always loved 80s music from the actual decade and uh, listened to film scores and you know popular records and stuff, obviously. But... I I found a bunch of artists that were kind of emulating this sound. And back then, there wasn't really this synthwave label that there is now. Um, yeah, and a couple couple main artists that kind of got me into this, uh, this newer 80s sound were Mitch Murder, uh, Tesla Boy, and Laserhawk. Those were kind of the three that piqued my interest. And I was like, oh, people are still kind of doing this? That's awesome. Let me go down this rabbit hole. <laughs> so I did. And um, right around the same time, I was kind of getting more interested in offering my vocal services to other producers, which I hadn't really done previously. So it was sort of coincidence that I reached out to people in the synthwave scene and, you know, offered them my services. And that's kind of how it exploded. And literally, it did explode. I worked for over 30 different producers in 2019 alone holy moly so it oh was goodness. like yeah it was ridiculous like once i dipped my toe in everyone was like oh i need vocals let me hire you <laughs> that's amazing so has it obviously it's the word of mouth and people listen to the work um is it common that they just say here's the music write and perform or or do the people have lyrics that come with it? Like, what's been typically your experience? Um, I'd say like seventy-five to eighty percent of the time, 
I get just an instrumental and the other producer wants me to write melodies and harmonies and lyrics and record. So kind of the full vocal package. But, you know, every once in a while, someone will have everything written for me and literally just need me to hit the record button. So it's a mix. But I'd say more often than not, I am coming in to write all of the vocal parts. So that's a bit of work. I mean... Yeah, like the pressure is on at that how point. Do, <laughs> Almost. Yeah, I mean, how do you... Like, in 2019, that artist roster alone is incredible. That's more... You essentially wrote if you do 70% out of 30 you've wrote basically two and a half three albums worth of material for other people in essence vocally and lyrically do you ever run i mean how do you how are you able to do that that's a really impressive <laughs> thank you uh i think just honestly just doing it kind of facilitates doing it more so it's almost like a snowball effect where once you start, you don't stop. Um, I don't know. I think I also just am super lucky in that I rarely get writer's block. If I hear something, um, and you know, all manner of things have come across my my ears, um, and everything's a little bit different. So everything inspires something different. So I've been super fortunate that everything you know sparks something new for me. Yeah, that's awesome. And it so it sounds a little bit like you kind of just lean into the, the creative spirit or the moment and just roll with it a little, maybe. Yeah, pretty much. That, that's a good way to Yeah, that's it. awesome. Uh, I don't, I mean, I just look at the sheer numbers of that and go, I could barely string together two coherent sentences. I can't imagine writing the lyrics <laughs> for, you know, for that many artists. And because, you know, I, I think about it like, Yes, it's synthwave, but each thing is so different. It's not like with an album, it could be thematic or, you know, you know all these songs inside and out where it's being a hired gun. You come in, you're, I would assume you're trying to fit the mood of the song to make it fit, obviously. Mm hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it's really, it was kind of, well, is, it's still going. Um, it's a really cool thing to, get all of these different styles, um, you know, whether it's in the synthwave genre or not. I've done a couple trance tracks, like old school 90s trance. That's and, awesome. Um, I did one track that was so far outside of what I normally do, other than the sort of cinematic component to it. Um, that was a true collaboration in that they wanted me to basically start from scratch, um, write this cinematic piece, uh, produce it basically and then they were going to come back in with guitars and vocals but <laughs> the style this band is crazy they're a chinese um metal band so all of their stuff super heavy and it's super i don't know it's it's like very asian influence they're singing in chinese they have tube and throat singing it's is so it the cool. who but um yeah so I've, I've done crazy stuff like that too <laughs> wow yeah I mean, that's really, and so obviously they, they heard the work that you've already been doing. And so your reach has been incredible then. I and mean, you're doing stuff for Asian uh, bands at this point. Like, that's really cool. It's really fun. I love getting to listen to and getting to work on such a myriad of projects. And that's just kind of the, the remote session vocalist part of what I do. 
day to day, most of my bread and butter stuff is video game scores and trailer music. So right. I I love getting to do all the things that I do. Have you been approached by someone whose music like you just couldn't get into? You there wasn't any way that you could work your style into it? Um there have definitely been projects that I've passed up whether because of production quality I, you know sadly didn't really want my name attached to it no offense to <laughs> anybody who you know has approached me I've been like yeah sorry but that's not for me um or just due to scheduling conflicts I just couldn't squeeze it in but I'd say most things that come into my inbox or wherever people approach me I will work on um if they can pay me <laughs> that's really what it comes gotcha. down to is like can you pay me for my work yes okay let's talk <laughs> so that's a really great position to be in at this point i mean i think you hit you hit the thing that is is the dream you get to do the thing you love and get paid to do it i think that's a you know a goal that everyone hopes to get to so that's amazing yeah. I, I can say i would definitely like to be paid <laughs> to lay on my couch under a blanket <laughs> that would be ideal well if i ever need a couch blanket person i will give you a call yeah he's expensive though schedule's yeah. pretty tight but uh, <laughs> i'll make if some room need a cocoon <laughs> i know who to call. um so you talked about earlier about how you've always liked 80s music um before that and talking about a little bit about the cinematic piece um so what were some of your influences then that you've carried with you things that have really spoke to you yeah that's a question i love to answer and i get asked quite often um my influences are so widespread it's kind of hard to nail down <laughs> what's really inspired me through the years but um hmm. there have been a few artists or scores uh, from films that have really stuck with me. I absolutely adore Tangerine Dream. Um, their score to Firestarter, I actually, it's not a great movie, but the score, yeah. listen to it, it's phenomenal. Uh, I actually discovered that one kind of later on when I would say I was past most of my influences uh, and my career was really kind of already taking off. But prior to that, um, I've I've always been in love with Depeche Mode. They're like the staple of my life. There you go. Um, I kind of attribute a lot of my melodic vocal writing to Martin Gore, I feel like. He's definitely influenced me whether I like it or not. I, that's not a bad thing <laughs> um, at all. I think he is one guy. of the most underrated um, songwriters of the last 30 years. He's amazing. Absolutely. So amazing. Um yeah, I, I love Depeche Mode. Um, I fell in love with the score to Labyrinth and David Bowie's tracks for that. Both the Trevor Jones score and the Bowie tracks work so well yeah. together. And there's nothing quite like it. Um, that, that score in particular is definitely a big influence. It's one of my favorite films. Um, and let's see. Kind of getting more into like college years. I fell in love with the sneaker pimps. Yep. And then, oh my god, <laughs> people. <laughs> so people, this is sort of a unpopular opinion. People love their first album with the yeah. chick vocalist. 
I don't. <laughs> I love the subsequent albums when the guitarist slash songwriter took over and, you know, he was already writing the songs for the band and playing guitar and doing backup vocals and he took over as frontman and the guy's incredible. He's another Martin Gore where his songwriting is just, I, I think it's amazing. It hits me in a place that not many things do. Um, and Sneaker Pimps isn't really active anymore, but he also has a project called IMX. I don't know if you guys have heard of him, but he's got his own, like, really dark, moody, almost industrial electro Speaking my language now. And yeah, I was just going to say just that. Off the wall. Amazing. I'll send yes, you please links, do, because that sounds amazing. Check it out. I'll be fair. I, I, I'll be honest, I should say. I... I was only ever peripherally into sneaker pimps. Like, you know, I liked, I listened to the first album, had it, and it was interesting. And then I, I just unfortunately just moved on to other stuff, you know, or, you know, back to Depeche Mode or some other things. And I know that they continued. I loosely followed, you know, sneaker pimps career, but I didn't really go beyond the first album, unfortunately, my bad, but how do you, you know, <laughs> there's so, there's so much music. How do you, how do you choose oh God, so what to listen to and what to spend time on? And that's really my, you know, that's the, I always feel bad. Like, um, and I talk to Kyle a lot um, and we kind of have a mutual feeling like we sleep on stuff or we hear about it and we're like, oh, well, you know, we'll get around to it. And then when we finally hear it, it's like, oh my God, this is amazing. How did we not listen to this before? <laughs> yes. Yeah, there's just so much. It's hard. It's, it's so hard. Yeah, totally. And, you know, things that, might be amazing to you may never you know you may never be exposed to them and that kind of saddens me yeah it's like <laughs> you know like just think about all the music you'll never hear but could be incredible it, i don't know i think about that that's sometimes. really a sad thought and i don't want to think about that because i love music <laughs> and if there's something out there that would like move me in a profound way and i never got to experience it man that's that's rough that's pretty yeah. Dark. I feel like that's uh, Japanese idol music. For <laughs> <laughs> well, I think I think if if you're supposed to hear something or if something's supposed to happen, the universe will find a way. True that. True that. Uh, so speaking, of, I'm going to segue for, off of Kyle's thing. So, is there a K-pop Megan McDuffie collaboration possibility future? <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, sure. It's taken not? over the world. Literally. I mean, it's... <laughs> I just... I, you know, someday I'll probably get the chance to write something for a game. I bet you. I just I feel that coming. It's got to be. I think it's it's a thing that it, it's it's out there. We put it out there. I said it out loud now. It's going to happen. Just remember... There you go. You're I, manifesting. Yeah. The gears are yeah. So just remember that I'm the one that, that <laughs> mentioned it. And then I'll be... Sure that's all I need. <laughs> Um, so with all the artists and, uh, thing, you know, the amount of music that's coming out, you've been interested in this for a long time. And so you've been able to see the progression from, you know, I think 2011 is a pretty early on, uh, your observation. I'm old. That seems like yesterday. Oh, well, <laughs> time flies when you're old. Uh, <laughs> Uh, so what have been some of your observations and, and um, things that you've seen as the music has progressed 
and change? Is there commonality with themes? Um, is there uh, things you like or don't like that have come into play now in 2021, 20, mm. 11, 10 years later? I'd say, well, first and foremost, the just sheer amount of people producing Synthwave has grown exponentially. Um, and I feel like there's this weird 50-50 thing where it's both becoming more broad and the styles are branching out from what we heard in 2011 and at the same time also becoming more narrow so that everything is sounding generic and the same. It's weird. It's like people are either going off on a completely different road or everyone sounds exactly like Laserhawk <laughs> from 2011 right. or everyone's trying to sound like Perturbator. Like there's this this weird split. So and that's just something I don't know. Do you I have a I have a maybe a an opinion on that. I mean, what do you why do you think that that is? Mm, I mean, I don't know. It probably just depends on what people gravitate yeah. to. Uh when there's so much music, you either you know you're going to pick up on this style or that style or you're going to do your own thing. Yeah. I don't know. I think it's just becoming so saturated that you're both going to have more outliers and more people trying to fit into a mm -hmm. formula. Yeah, I would definitely say, like, my observation is that the scene, the interest in the music has continued to grow. And what I love is that um, the community is so vibrant. And I will I will not get, get off onto the weeds and some of the naysayers and some of the, you know, the Eeyores of the world that are in the scene. But, you know, I would say overall... And there are yeah, I would say overall, <laughs> though, I think there is a level of excitement in this music that doesn't really exist. It's the same kind of excitement like in the early 90s of the grunge scene. Like it was completely different and or like the punk scene in, in the 80s. Like it's a new thing that seems to not be attached to any regular mainstream society, even though it completely feeds off of it. Um, and it's for the it's people. For the people. <laughs> and I think, you know, a lot of people are discovering it. And obviously, as you said, you've like Perturbator or Laserhawk or whatever it is, you try to emulate the things that speak to you first. And then as music progresses, hopefully there's some innovation and change. And, and there's also outliers where it's like so left field. You're like, I would barely call it synthwave maybe, um, which is interesting. Yeah, and they get sure. roped in, but I, I'm not so offended by it because I think it keeps things vibrant and interesting and i'm not one to be like this is or is not synthwave unless it's flagrantly you know rock music or polka or something <laughs> yeah I'd, I'd have a hard oh, time shit. calling weird al yeah synthwave. polka wave what if weird al covers a synthwave song <laughs> it could happen it could that'd be I, great I, <laughs> it could and you know what it probably would it will it may happen. Here's how I think this will happen. He's going... Wow, we just predicted the future right <laughs> yeah. now. Boom. I think he would cover something from The weekend. I was just going to say that. Or maybe The Muse, and then go that route. It'd be Ooh. an accidental synthwave merge. Mm -hmm. Adjacent, yeah. almost. And is it synthwave yeah. if you were around in the 80s? What's the rules on this? You know, I think... It, 
What do you mean? What's the rules on it? We were around in the eighties. What do you? What do you? I'm say? saying he was making music in the eighties. He was making the stuff that is now people are emulating. So, if you just do what you always do, is it synthwave or are you just making regular music? Okay, so like because the synthesizer was used in Eden, right? Maybe synthwave adjacent <laughs> somehow. <laughs> it all connects. It comes back. Or, you know, like weird overlapping venn diagrams of how this works out i just i would like clarification on the rules people are listening please give me your hot takes on this it, these are the important questions yes, I, you everywhere. know it's maybe there are no rules and maybe that's a nice thing about quote-unquote synthwave as well i think that's kind of the nice thing about any genre you can you know do whatever you want and then try to fit it into a genre but I know with my own music, I've been sort of labeled as a synthwave artist, but honestly, most of the stuff I do isn't. And it just so happens to be that I have sung or collaborated on a ton of synthwave right. tracks, but my own work, it's not really. It's more, what would I call it? It's more electropop or in the case of trailer music, you know, sound design. Right. <laughs> That's an interesting thing. So do you think that... Th is it a positive or a negative thing, in your opinion, that you kind of get roped into this, even though you you don't identify yourself as necessarily overtly or full-time synthwave, but you're in the scene? Is you think that works more for you? Does it limit? I mean, it's a it's a weird one. It's so funny. Sometimes I'll catch myself getting annoyed when people <laughs> are like your synthwave album that's coming and i'm like it's not a synthwave album i just so happen to fall into this bubble and you know this scene which is honestly full of lots of amazing people yeah. but i literally just sort of tripped and fell into right. it um by way of collaborating <laughs> so yeah it, i shouldn't be annoyed because there's nothing wrong with it i just I don't identify so it, it's like trying to i think a lot of people of that, that have been doing been it for a while and i think there's several artists that are i think that are like you where you just make the music you make it it may sound a particular way on a particular album and then it, you get roped in and you you lean into it if there's a lot of energy behind it um but then that's not all you are that's a, a smaller element and you see a lot of like Alex and Tokyo Rose, those guys are trying to get out of out of that. They're really trying hard to even break their old sound so that they're doing something different, expand it beyond, you know, what mm -hmm. they view as probably a, a limiting sound and expression thing at this point, even though the scene is really vibrant. And it's a double-edged sword. It's like when you, I think, get going, you need that energy and momentum of other people to drive you forward. But once you get to a certain point... You want to do different stuff or continue to explore whatever it is you want to do. Totally. Yeah, I think it was just sort of the closest match at the time. And now. Yeah, that's interesting. It's I'm like Com Trues. <laughs> I think he's never once called himself Synthwave ever and kind of actively votes against the, the term, but he's, I think, perennially associated with Synthwave. So let's talk about some of your um, 
your score work and, and film work. I mean, that's, that's a really cool thing. And I think, um, did that come before traditional music? How did you get from iTunes to writing video game music? Well, in order to Whoa, properly okay. answer that, we have to go way let's take back this, before iTunes. Let's take this journey. <laughs> That's a long time. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, set the scene with little okay. tiny four-year-old Megan on stage performing. <laughs> um, singing, yeah. I, I've done music my whole life, whether, you know, I'm in a little Simba costume for the talent show singing, I just can't wait to be king for the whole school, or you know, in some prestigious choir in Vienna, Austria during a choral competition. So I've, I've, yeah, I feel like I've done it all, even though it's only been eh, 35 years. <laughs> um, yeah, so I've just, I've always, I've always played music, I've always sung music, I've always wanted to be in music somehow. Um, I, you know, the road leading up to college, I was just immersed in choral stuff and dance stuff, jazz groups, et cetera, et cetera, musical theater. And when I went to college for my undergrad, um, I started out as a voice major. And I don't know if you know much about voice majors, but it's all classical. Like you, okay. you're a voice major, you're singing opera. That is the path. <laughs> and I was like, okay, this is you know, this is really intense. I don't really want a career as an opera singer. This It's not really my jam. I love classical music. I've always loved choral music, but I didn't want to be an opera singer. So <laughs> I, um, I switched majors to a film scoring major because I took a film music class and I had a eureka moment. The light bulb went off. I was like, holy shit, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. I love film scores. I love movies. I want to learn how to write better. I want to learn how to orchestrate better. So I went down the path of getting a film scoring degree and then going on to do some uh, master's grad work through the Berkeley College of Music specifically for orchestration so that I you know, knew how to write and arrange for orchestra, which is very crazy like it's a super challenging awesome thing to learn how to do so if i wanted to i could write symphony it would take forever but i could do it um yeah so you know that was like okay i'm gonna do it i'm gonna do film scoring this is great i did an electronic music minor on the side so i had that sort of production electronic you know side thing going on because i've always loved electronic music and out of college Hold on. Yeah. <laughs> you can go to school for electronic music? Yes. That's actually one of the reasons I went to UC Santa Cruz was they have an electronic music minor. Do they have a and it's a wow. super, super cool program. Me too. I Do really have a Apex in my life course. <laughs> I you know what? I learned about Apex Twin in How one did of I the how can I guess that for that minor? No joke. Brian Eno, Aphex Twin, Chemical Brothers. Who else did we talk about? Um, Wendy Carlos, like super, you know, right, no fundamental kidding. electronic artist. <laughs> Guess he's going back to school. <laughs> uh. It was so it was good. highly educated. Uh, lots of of academic 
understanding of music. That's a lot. Of, you know, there's the practical aspect, the passion aspect. You've really enveloped your entire life around music. Wow. Um, sure have. So as you were saying, you know, you were you're taking a, a cinematic, <laughs> change your major, going that route. So you're in college, learning about film score stuff, how to doing symphonic stuff, minoring in electronic music. What's what's going on next? <laughs> yeah, it was great. Um, it was rough, man. Some of the Oof. some of the theory courses I had in at, at UCSC were just like. I don't even know how I made it, <laughs> to be perfectly honest. We had to do stuff like, um, for, you know, lab finals, we would sit down with a piece of orchestral sheet music and have to basically do a reduction on piano, sight read on the fly, from this orchestra score while singing the melody line. Whether it would be, you know, jumping from the flutes to the violins. Is to that the is that school or some sort of like I did it. <laughs> torture? Like, no. Torture. Sing, they spin these plates, dance, the and then moonwalk for me, please. <laughs> yeah, that sounds. That's what it sounds like to me. Because you just had said a whole bunch of words. I don't know what you're saying. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. uh, wow. You know what? I could totally relate because, like, <laughs> well, not maybe not really, but in college, I took a film class and I was just like, I love movies. I'm going to take this film class. This is going to be great. And it was the most torturous class that I ever took. Oh, no. And because of this class, <laughs> I can never watch Goodfellas again. Like, that movie? No. Off limits. It was terrible. It was oh, terrible. Man. So you just overanalyze movies now? Does that, I, does that stick with you? So for for our final, we had to write like a 35-plus page paper on, at the time, the list of like the 100 greatest movies ever made. And we had to analyze a theme in the movie. So I had to write a 35-plus page paper about the theme of mistrust in Goodfellas. And I had to watch it so many times, and it just ruined it for me. I have never had a workload <laughs> like that class had in my academic life. It was it was so out of control how many papers and writing and work we had to do for that. And I was like, I just want to watch Singing in the Rain because I love this shit. <laughs> oh, I don't miss those days. Sometimes it'll just pop into my head the thought right I don't have right homework. and if, if you have homework sort of you get paid to do it and right instead of the other way around True. so I that i mean you know you did it right clearly you did it right um yeah it, it's actually instead of over analyzing <laughs> anything kyle doesn't analyze his his opinions will be it's good or i didn't like it and that's as far as he goes I try to be as mindless as possible. <laughs> it's kind of terrible, yeah, it but for you. it's kind of how I'm doing things right now. Yeah. Hey, if it works so uh, you're in college, and uh, <laughs> there's obviously there's clearly a point. You either graduate or get some sort of opportunity. How did you leap from academia into the professional um, scoring aspect? Yeah, so that transition. <laughs> well... Um, 
as a you know bright-eyed graduate i'm like this is gonna be easy i'll just get a job scoring movies (laughs) of course um yeah that was not how it went i was basically like okay i have this one degree maybe i should get another one so i did a master's certification through berkeley as i mentioned and at the same time i was kind of doing odd jobs and that was the point at which I started working for Apple in 2011. And yeah, I was just, I, you know, I was looking for gigs. I was networking my butt off. Um, in 2012, I kind of got, I don't want to call it my big break, but it was definitely one of the first projects that I was paid for. And um, it was a little local film, really cute, you know, 10 minute kind of, little narrative story and i did a whopping three pieces of music for it but i got that's paid, awesome and i found i found a pervy roommate when i first moved out of my hometown <laughs> wow. that's as much as what i found on craigslist <laughs> <laughs> that's usually what's on craigslist oh you, you've never told okay. me about this story either i feel neglected it's, here it's yeah, really I like bad i mean we we have time we could we could so i you were um, out of Minnesota here, and, and I, I come from a small town um, in west central Minnesota, and I wanted to get out of that town and move to the big cities, the Twin Cities, uh, but I didn't know how to do this, and I heard of a thing called Craigslist, and this is before there was lots of rape and murder. Um, it was still innocent, and I just looked for a roommate. I found the nearest town that worked for where I was going with my job, and I talked to the person briefly on the phone. He had a weird accent, but he seemed just fine. The terms were agreeable. Um, And so move days comes, go there. I ended up being some sort of weird mix of like Brooklyn, Minnesotan, and something else. It just... (laughs) That sounds It was a very strange... Like he had spent like... 13 years in New York City and then moved here and was here in the burbs. Woof. Um, culture yeah, shock. so anyways, we, uh, so I move in, things are kind of fine and I, I, you know, the place is a little dirtier than I would have liked, but it didn't, it didn't raise any super alarms. But basically, um, as I spent more time there and had, because con- you, you're forced to spend time with this person now, um, he started saying some really weird things like we're getting to know each other. I'm like, Hey, you know, where do you go out? Do you hang out? Oh, I don't really hang out with anyone. I'm like, you don't have any friends. Oh no, I don't really have any friends. And I'm like, well, that's kind of weird. I don't live here and I've got friends already. Like, how does that work? And, uh, he, um, I'm like, well, do you date? Oh no, no, I don't date. I'm like, what does that mean? Like, he goes, well, so what do you do with your time person? No, no, much worse. Oh boy. Uh, (laughs) so I'm like, but you're a young man. How, what, like what's going on here? He goes, Oh, well, you know, if I got knees, I just go into the town and you know, um, you know, just go to Lake street and take care of it. You know what I mean? I'm like, what, what? I, For those who don't live in Minnesota, it's where you Lake pick up Street, prostitutes. Place to go. And Apparently, I was kind of shocked because I didn't. I was 
kind of naive and didn't really realize that that was actually a real thing. I'm like, Minnesota doesn't have prostitutes. That's not a thing that happens here. I was very wrong. And then he went into graphic detail about, and I'm like, I didn't, that's not the light. I didn't ask for any of this information. I just want to know if you dated oversharing. And then just as we spent more time together, like his room was always closed. And if it was, the door was open, it was pitch black. I'm like, that's just weird. How do you not have your blinds open in your room? Like, how do you not have light? That's strange. Well, wait a moment. Mm. I am of the vampire type. I don't really like the sunlight, but. Okay. I've just, I'm sorry. You had to interject that you also don't like like the light, (laughs) but you're not weird. Thank you. I'm glad you're trying to distinguish yourself from information that no one asked for. (laughs) I'm not weird, but I just don't like sunlight. uh, Anyways, Uh... the point being is that as I caught a glimpse into his room, it was a mountain of porn, like a mountain, like just everywhere. And I'm like, what the fuck did I get myself into? Like it quickly Craigslist. Like I quickly was like, I can't have anybody over to this house. And when I realized like the sheer width and breadth of the pornography, I'm like, I can't sit in anywhere in this place now. Like there's no, where, where do I go? Oh, and so was it yeah it was it was vhs dvds DVDs magazines everything and like stuff on his walls and like listen having uh you know a uh, sex drive is completely normal but having a massive porn collection like that is it was way beyond and then uh so I quickly realized, like, well, I can't have any friends over because this weirdo is clearly going to, like, oogle whoever is coming over. And, and, uh, no, oh, I don't know. He ended up, he eventually got kicked out because uh, the landlord is like, you're disgusting, <laughs> filth pig. You need to go. You can stay, but he needs to go. Uh, but I walked, like, he was, it's just, there was a whole bunch of, like, hygiene oh. issues, like, and I'm not going to go into what they were. Oh, Just that's not this dude good. looked like a a fatter Ron Jeremy, but hairier. <laughs> and and like oh, he was a. That's yeah. <laughs> yeah. Welcome and to this the big guy city, was, Eric. This guy is younger than I was at the time, the and just this hedgehog. And I, it's it was so bad, and he's fat and then he was like oh he's smelly too that's great uh, yeah it's seriously seriously that's but i think he might hedgehog. like yeah mm, no <laughs> they're so cute uh and then like the the kind of like the the coup de gras, if you will of the, of the whole scenario is like i was because the the restroom was right by his bedroom you had to walk past his bedroom anytime you went to the bathroom take a shower which i quickly was like can I shower here even at this point? Cause you could not trust any surface. I'm like, do I need to get a black light? What, what do I like bleach everything? Um, yeah, we're, we're going there. The last really thing dark. though was, was the flashlights and not one, but like four, four flashlights on a shelf. Multiple arranged. Oh. I was like this. What did I do? What did I do with my life? What am I doing? 
this is this is bad and craigslist and it's that's what we're talking back. so your experience much better the point that's that's the point of the story much better you much better had a great outcome i i did not in this instance yes uh yeah me too me too I'm luckily it was he only the thing is like he only lasted in this place for like maybe four months before the landlord is like and i don't even understand how she even knew like but she just had the sense about him like you need to get out of here you're out oh i know i know someone was coming probably in has got to be what calm. it is and you know the landlord is a whole other separate story um maybe but yeah 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 aren't they always in the um, story gosh so he got kicked out uh what year was this and uh, no nine Send 11. <laughs> 2000 <laughs> yeah 2000 i just want to it circle might, no, it all back i'm sorry it was either 2010 or 2011 that's yeah Ten, no this is right before how long have i, I known, known you was years. this what i know you i don't know <laughs> okay. I, well, 2011. That's 10 so, anyways, years. Craigslist, you got your you got the first paying gig. Crazy. That must have felt amazing. It did. Yeah, I was sort of like, it, it almost felt anticlimactic. You know, I had these visions of grandeur and being in Hollywood studios, and then I was just at home, you know, <laughs> with my computer and with a job off Craigslist. But, you know, we all start somewhere, and I was naive, and now I know better. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that was that was how I started. Um, things didn't really pick up for many, many years, and I almost sort of gave up on film scoring entirely because it's just it's such a smaller industry. There's such a big gap between the indie projects and the the low budget projects and then you have these huge huge budgets um for the hollywood stuff and there's not a lot in between whereas with video games you know there's the smallest indie mobile game all the way to the AAA studios but there's everything in between so they're you know teams of five people there, there's not really the hollywood equivalent mm -hmm. of that or rather the, the filmmaking equivalent of that um there's either no budget or there's a huge budget and a huge right. budget. Right. It's is, like you know, uh, I've heard stories of this. Like, uh, we want you to sound <laughs> like this person, and then they end up just actually hiring that person instead. Like, and it's only like it's the same four people for every movie. Oh yeah, it's the same. It's like the same pool of ten guys that do every film so, in Hollywood. So video games is where you. For ended sure. <laughs> and or it started doing that and that that's still that's got to be yes. interesting uh, let me ask you this what is one of the primary differences between th those types of scoring hmm. well i'd say from a technical aspect just or from a production standpoint i guess uh thinking in terms of loops as to or as opposed to thinking linearly because films you know you have a scene goes from point A to point B. Video games, you got to think about this, you know, scene that could potentially last indefinitely, 
and you don't want to give the players fatigue. So you have to think, okay, how am I going to loop this? Where am I going to loop this? I got to make everything seamless. I got to make, you know, my reverb tails loop properly so there's not like ambient sure. noise being cut off sure. when the loop restarts, stuff like that. And that makes complete sense yeah, so that's, when you that's the say it out loud. Um, I guess I never really consciously put those things together. Kyle, you're much more of a video game music person than I am. Rolling right into the area that I wanted to talk about. So I am a huge video game fan. Right on. That's that's my main jam. I'm holding in my hand right now a copy of River City Girls. Yay! <laughs> it's still sealed. I haven't opened it yet because I'm one of those people who, like, gets stuff <laughs> but just doesn't get around to it because life is tough. I get that. But I know you did the soundtrack to this. One of my biggest regrets of recent time is missing out on the vinyl release of the soundtrack to this game. Oh, man. That's a crazy thing. I never expected them to fly off the shelves the way they did. Sadly, I didn't get any financial uh, portion huh? of that. But... What? <laughs> yeah. So, well, it, it's just how the company and I decided to split our shares of things because I actually did that completely as a work for hire. So technically they own all of the music. Um, I don't own any of it. The copyrights and everything, it all belongs to the company. Um, so it was actually really nice of them to let me have any <laughs> of the soundtrack sales. Um, and the way that we did it uh, nice and cleanly for their accounting department is that I got pretty much all of the digital soundtrack sales and they got all of the physical. Interesting. So we just kind of split you know, it that way. Business, the business discussion. Yeah. I, I wonder how much of a run there was right of now. that, of that soundtrack. <laughs> yeah. Do you know by chance, Kyle or Megan? Um, so the vinyl they did, the initial run I think was a thousand and it sold out in 90 seconds. Or so they yeah, did. it was instantaneous. I missed that shit. Um, they did another one, another pressing, I guess, another batch of a thousand, and those went in about ten minutes. And then I think they, I want to say they did a third time. They made a shit I pile of money. They made a shit that. pile of I'm money. I'm pretty sure it came Holy and crap. went as well. <laughs> and I've actually heard that that's a oh, that's yes, um, a lot did. of the smaller indie studios. What they found is that. They make more money off of physical sales of their soundtracks than they do off of their games. I wouldn't doubt it. You people are uh, so into might, vinyl nowadays. You might be talking to a couple people. I'm flabbergasted right now. Like I am in complete disbelief. Like, emotions are going through me that I haven't felt for years. Like what is what is an emotion? Oh. It's it's fine, you know. I don't, you know, I don't feel so bad about missing out on it now. If that was the case. So the way I see it is that the people who did get the vinyl, many of them also stream it on Spotify, which, you know, that portion goes to me. And all of those people that have the vinyl would not have heard my tunes probably. That's true. Otherwise. I mean, it so is, I suppose, awesome. a um, 
bittersweet in the sense that more exposure, more uh, fan um, gaining, if you will. And so there's that, but still. Yeah, plus I got paid up front for the project. So it's almost like the sales, you know, after okay. the fact. Yeah, I mean, I'm fun. really like, I'm just, I'm actually looking up right now the uh, what River City soundtrack is going for on Discogs. Uh, secondary market holy shit woof do you do you want me to say out loud what one copy is going for yeah 176 dollars i would love to know so nice. yeah uh people want it because like great. average like synthwave stuff you can pretty much just double the the retail and that's what the average synthwave is going for so this is you know four or five times that so the the want is there pretty oh yeah 115 people want this so good job oh wow that's awesome <laughs> 116 <laughs> <laughs> i don't i didn't yes, put I it will. on my discogs if you're looking at discogs but i wanted it i was like fuck i missed it i have missed it I the timeline for things is so crazy I wonder if you can be put onto some sort of mailing list where you'll get an email when it comes back. Yeah, it's like Britain money. To do another reprint. That's a. <laughs> yeah, why wouldn't they? But you don't see anything of that though. I don't. Which is bullshit. I don't even. I actually had to buy my own copy. That is like <laughs> the worst slap in it's the like, face yeah. right there that I have heard. It's, As it's an artist, really you should instantly be given, like, here, here's this, and here's this, because you're the artist. Yeah. Well, like I said, they own they own it outright, so it was nice of them to even give me Well, I hope it does sales. well for you. Yeah, yeah, it, you got to be a shrewd businessman business. to make any money. Uh, you know, either being a, you know, a studio or an artist, you got to be pretty good at negotiating stuff and looking at fine print, because holy shit. So I, sp I got so many more people who found me through this game than any of my other projects combined. Yeah. So I am super grateful for yeah. that. Yeah, it's that just one of those things. And I, I think you've got a really good perspective on it. You know, besides Kyle's like absolute like emotional shock right now. Um, you know, I think that's a good way <laughs> the exposure and the continued growth. <laughs> I'm about to go Super Saiyan right oh. now. So um, but, you know, I think that's a really good oh. uh, perspective to have. Because what other choice do you... You could either be bitter and really salty about it or just take it, move on, learn, hopefully... Yeah, I'm choosing to yeah. focus on the fact that people yeah. love it and still reach out to me about the soundtrack. So. Did you enjoy doing it? Oh, hell yeah. Every second of it, I was in bliss. I was like, oh my god, this, you know, pretty major studio has hired me for my sound, and they're basically just like, here, here's our game, we're gonna pay you per track, per minute, invoice us whenever you want, and just do your thing. And That's pretty sweet. It's basically the best project ever. You know, that makes me feel just slightly, <laughs> just slightly a little so there bit you go, Kyle. I'm not bitter, so you shouldn't be either. <laughs> I feel better. Thanks not for the better. clarification. I know. I'm just um, saying. 
Yeah. So, and hopefully, you know, obviously gaining momentum from that with fans and, and, you know, hopefully you continue to see Spotify, um, money off of that particular thing. Cause that's, that'll be forever. Oh, how do you, how do you feel about Spotify? money? Well, I mean, it's kind of a, it's, I try not to think about it too much. <laughs> I, you know, it's a nice little bonus, I guess. Um, yeah, I, I, I personally don't use it. I'm one of the weird old school types where literally I had a car <laughs> with a tape adapter for my Sweet. iPod up until like two years ago. I feel you. I, I so, am in, I'm in that same I. situation. I am not a Spotify person at all either, so. Yeah, I just, I prefer to own and download my own things. Um, same with, Me like, too. any software. I hate subscription-based things. I just, I want to freaking own Calling it, you out, you know? Adobe. Like, I pay you once, give me the thing. That's how I want <laughs> it to be. <sighs> yes, I was just struggling uh-huh. with Adobe. I sure do. So, you, you understand. Um, yeah, so, I mean, I know that's the way things are headed, or... The majority of things are headed so i just i don't think about it and i'm like okay you know if you want to stream it great it's there i have provided it for you if that is your choice um but you know here's this other tasty mp3 download or in the case of hopefully my upcoming album will sweet be on vinyl, I'll say, here's uh we'll so <laughs> are you able to start talking or would like to talk about your upcoming album i'd be delighted it is we're excited too. I am so Perfect. excited, you guys. So, so excited. So, um, so let me ask you this: um, Is it one of those yeah, things what, where what did you have a concept from the beginning, you, or you use COVID time and just started writing like crazy? What can you tell us about it? Is it going to be thematically different from your other releases? Like, give us give us some juicy morsels here. Yeah, let's see. I started working on this in late 2019, so actually just after River City Girls came out. Um, and yeah, I, you know, it's, it's always something I've wanted to do. Um, it was kind of like this side dream of mine because, you know, obviously I wanted to do film and game scoring, but there was always this nagging thing in the back of my head like, ah, I just want to you know be a recording artist too i want to put out my own music just for the sake of of music and having people listen to it and so i just decided that i was going to do it um you know whether it be on weekends during my free time or over the past year during quarantine i felt like it was a perfect opportunity to give myself you know literally schedule in one day a week that would other be otherwise be for client work to work on my album and it went so well things were just songs were just pouring out of me and the first track i wrote kind of set the entire tone for the album and basically the album is called inner demons and it is sort of a concept album um, for all of the you know inner demons if you will the stuff that i struggle with emotionally and in my head day to day so that's what it's about and it's i don't know if you guys heard my barely covered ep 
but it's definitely in that similar style mm. where it's really moody, really mm. dreamy, mm-hmm. kind of dark electropop. Um, there's definitely some trip hop influence in there. Definitely some synth, you know, more synth wavy synth pop stuff. And, you know, even just like pop, straight up pop in there too. It's this weird sounds... blend. I don't even really kind of know where to put it. It's somewhere between like Grimes, Depeche Mode. It sounds spicy and, and I like it. Chiba or something. I don't even know. <laughs> yes. Taking all the right boxes. I, I feel like. For... <laughs> I think awesome. the way you're yeah, approaching it, because so like excited. I think there's two two things that I personally appreciate about album music. You either have a really coherent theme, and that each song kind of builds on top of a, a concept, or you have a a variety of interesting uh, styles and sounds that keep you engaged in the album. Because I think, obviously, like the modern listener now, more than a song is way too much. People have no patience for albums, and I guess synthwave people minus that, because you know they're more cinematic. Uh, folks but even that i think people are still listening to their one or two songs off an album and not listening to the rest of it so i personally like having that uh bit of spice and variety on an album and um and kind of see what you are doing or what you're interested in 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 different areas to explore has there been um you know any like particular musical inspiration for this album or are you just kind of like going all in and just doing what you do um, I didn't really set any boundaries for myself, um, since technically this is my, it sounds so weird when I say it, but it's my debut vocal album that's not an EP, so full length, and I've been, you know, doing this career thing for 10 years, and I have yet to put out an album that's just crazy. for the sake of an album, so it feels so weird to have all of this work <laughs> under my belt, and yet say this is my debut release. Um, yeah, so that feels kind of weird, but... Yeah, I just, it's its just whatever came out, you know? It's truly just a soul dump of the past year and whatever I, makes I, me <laughs> me went into this album. And I, um, yeah. To me, that sounds either like the out. most painful experience <laughs> or maybe cathartic because, like, you're talking about thematically that it's dealing with the inner demons and, like, you've had a lot of time in during the pandemic to really sit with your feelings. So uh, it's an interesting uh, thing to release. Is it, were you able to do the musical project and not be maybe overwhelmed or get too far into a particular theme? Cause if you're dealing with demons, obviously there's a little bit of darkness. How did that carry over to your daily life? If you will. Uh, you know, it wasn't so dark that it was Sweet. dragging down any other aspect of my life. And, you know, some of the songs are kind of about an inner conflict, but many gotcha. of them are also about accepting that inner conflict and just writing it and, you know, accepting and, and being at peace with it. So, yeah, it's so- just, it was very cathartic. You know, it just I don't know. I don't even know how to talk about it. It's just like this magical thing that came out of nowhere <laughs> that's been brewing that's awesome. in me so for the past. Not like yeah, a Nine Inch Nails record years. recording. And <laughs> so it's oh, not so like a Nine Inch Nails recording session. What was that? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, probably not. 
um, it's so funny. I would go for a run, and then my husband would be like, you know, asking me what I wanted for dinner, and I'm like, no, I was, I have lyrics in my head, <laughs> and I'd like go sit down, furiously type them out because I. Whenever I let my mind go blank is when ideas happen. So I'll be in the shower, or I'll be jogging, or I'll be in a bath, or whatever. And that happened with so many of these tracks, where I'd just be kind of like humming the melody, and then bam, I'd be hit with lyrics. And I'd immediately so, have to So that's the vocal writing process, or the lyrical process. What about the music? Uh, is it one of those things where you just sit down and just start pouring something out? Or do you have like a beat, or a rhythm, or a melody, and you do you build so sometimes a melody will just come at me from nowhere and i will work with it and other times i will deliberately sit down and go through some of my favorite synths and just start playing with sound and more often than not a, you know a certain bass line or a certain synth will really grab me and i'll say okay this is the basis for my song and i'll just go with chords or i'll do a bass line and once I have something down is usually when the vocal comes to me. So I'll have like a really simple skeleton, I guess, if you will. And then I will do sort of a scratch vocal and then I'll come back in and really flesh it out. That's awesome. So it just seems like a, a pretty, it seems like you got a pretty good workflow for creativity and, and getting the stuff down and, and made. Is there, um, do you have a particular kind of set of sounds that you like, or you just just let it go wide open? Uh, it's pretty wide open. I do have a couple synths that I go to as my go-tos, uh, you know, that I'll pull up first because I just love the way they sound. I love, you know, tweaking presets because right. even the presets sound so good. Um, I really love Omnisphere 2. It's insanely large i think it's wow. like 60 some gigs <laughs> of, Whoa. yeah it's it's ridiculous um you can I, I mean you wouldn't know it but you hear it on a lot of film soundtracks it's definitely sort of a composer's toolkit kind of you know must have and i love that synth so much i can get lost in it so literally i would sit down and kind of decide uh you know my feeling little more edgy today am i feeling a little lighter or more fun and just open up omnisphere that's and awesome go. so <laughs> when do you hope to have the record out is that have you announced that when it's going to be released I, I i guess it i have i was it last week recently i posted an official announcement little you know 30 second video clip and I can repeat that. It is going to be out May 21st, which is my birthday. And I figured that was, you know, might as well do it on my birthday as a birthday gift to myself since I've been wanting to do this for so long. And uh, it also gave me enough time to work on tackling my 81 line <laughs> spreadsheet of things I have to do before the album comes so out. So you're, you're, <laughs> it's, it's, it seems to me like you're a fairly well organized person i suppose all of the education and schooling a big part of that is is learning workflow and and organization and that kind of stuff too i just see so many artists put out their work and they're so proud of it but then nothing happens or maybe they get you know one little write-up or something and it's there's no fanfare 
you know, unless you're a, a major artist yeah. or, you know, signed to one of the huge labels. I've, I've, it's so sad because, like, I know how much work goes into this and I want to do it right because this project means so much to me and I think people are really going to love it and I want to do it right. You know, I want five months of preparation. I want a music video and a lyric video almost for every track and I have tens upon tens of blogs to reach out to and you know since I'm a team of one I have to do all of that myself hence the five month lead up <laughs> mm -hmm. I was just gonna uh, wanted to compliment you on your um, just your ability to utilize social media and you know how you build and interact with your fans and and that is it's really impressive it's a lot of work I mean for those that you know like I feel like with this show it's too much work and it's not nearly as much work as what you do and you know, <laughs> you know what I mean like, like keep... I'm laughing because I feel like even doing what I do in the show is a lot of work and I don't honestly I don't really do much but <laughs> it does feel like a lot <laughs> so just imagine if the show was part of your nine to five you would schedule it and it would just be part of your day that's kind of how social media is for me i have you know the time that i post and the time that i respond to people and it's just it's part of my work that i schedule in um but that's really cool that that's your perspective because i sometimes get down on myself like ah my numbers aren't growing what am i doing wrong but it, it's yeah so thank you for that <laughs> yeah it's one of those things that it, it's it's i and i have discussions like these with with my my producer friends and the struggle of like how do you keep interest right so you release something just to release music or put a picture on social media is not enough and so how do you balance your interaction and, and i'm it's interesting and i think it, it makes complete sense that you schedule it because also there's a real danger a lot of people burn out because they let it take over their life so they're responding yeah, to sure. messages all night and day and you know being on the internet you've got people that are contacting you from every time zone so you got stuff flying in all times a day and i have a little bit of that with the show and that's enough where i'm like oh fuck someone's contacting <laughs> me from hong kong or you know like somewhere in japan or or wherever it could be or you know australia and that's a really funky time difference um so trying to balance those things and not let it eat into your your personal life and the fact that it, it sounds like you it's your nine to five job and then you can kind of separate yourself from that um i think it's a good thing to hear because there's a lot of people that just you see people pop in and out of the mm -hmm. scene in social media and they're just like, I can't do it anymore. Social media is toxic. It's killing me. And it's like, well, is it that or is it because you're just letting it take over your life? Because, you know, I interact when I want to interact. And if someone says something, I choose whether or not to interact with it or not. And if I don't want to, I'm not going to do it. Yeah. So sorry to those yeah. people. <laughs> <laughs> the truth comes out. Ooh, you know. I Yeah, I totally second that it's not enough to put, you know, a, a video or an image or even a link to your album once and hope that people are going to see it or buy it because that's just not true. <laughs> not at all. I forget where I read it. I think it's m multiple places I've, I've come across this fact where you need to hit someone over the head about seven or eight times before they take action. 
like as a general marketing rule. So one ain't enough. <laughs> you got to have, you know, a post about it. You got to have a video about it. You got to do some contest or something. You got to post the actual link. You got to have an email list. And it's, it's freaking exhausting. This is why my spreadsheet is 81 lines long. <laughs> and you're doing it as one person. You know, you think about even a smaller the fact one. that you made a spreadsheet though is really respectable. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how I would tackle anything like this without a spreadsheet. I I I, I would know. be like post it note four things of the eighty that I had to do. <laughs> <laughs> and someone would hit me up and I'd be like, Oh shit, I need to do this and I need to do this. I, I respect that. All right, Kyle, do you have anything else for Megan while we got her? I want to be respectful of her time. Yes. So in addition to your solo album, are there any other film score or video game soundtracks in the future? Yes, there are. Um, I am working on, let's see, four games right now, I think. Yeah, four. Uh, I cannot talk about them. All NBA, hush hush. Good stuff though. And no films on the horizon per se. Um, however, I did just land a big trailer placement. I don't know if you guys are horror fans at all, but they are yes. redoing Wrong Turn. And I got the trailer placement for that. So that was a nice start to my year. <laughs> oh shit. Hell yeah. So that's out. If you search Wrong Turn on youtubes it'll pop right up and i think it has last time i looked it was like 2.5 million views already which freaking nuts i look at that and i'm like is this real life because <laughs> it's cause real life that. <laughs> yeah that's i mean talk about a, an incredible 10-year journey right like wow so that... and there's still so much more i need to accomplish yep keep going yep that's the only way to get anywhere in the music business is persistence. Uh, I think Kyle calls for me what he is annoyance. You say I'm annoying. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. All right, Megan. I really appreciate you coming on. Uh, I don't have anything else to talk about. Kyle, you, you good? We're we're good. Thank you very much for being on the show. We totally appreciate it. Thank you very much. I'm a big fan myself. I'm usually the person who gets the fanboy out. So thank you for being on the show. <laughs> I, I really, really appreciate it. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks so much, guys. It was fun. All right. Take care. Thank you. Motherfucking parents, I suck.